The second scripture lesson this morning tells of the prophet Ezekiel's vision of the Valley of the Dry Bones, a familiar biblical text to some, to many, perhaps, a vision of a stark image that strikes the eye of the first-time reader, strikes the ear of the first-time listener, a valley full of bones, very many bones, dry bones. As I read the lesson for this morning, I invite you to listen for, to look for the word breath that occurs so often in just a few verses. I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Come from the four winds, O breath. In Hebrew, the word for breath is the same word for spirit, ruah, breath, spirit. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. The breath giving life to the very many dry bones is the life giving spirit of God. Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and the Lord brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. The Lord led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. The Lord said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then the Lord said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then the Lord said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as the Lord commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then the Lord said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Mortal, can these bones live? There in the middle of the valley, known to the psalmist as the valley of the shadow of death. Heap after heap, dry bones. 
a scene of biblical proportion painted to portray the utter, the utter opposite of life. That type of scene is not reserved for archaeologists in the tattered span of human history or even in most of our lifetimes. As we gather this morning on the eve of another anniversary of September 11th, 2001, I read this week that the remains of two more people who died on 9-11 have been identified and families were notified more than 20 years later. Another scene of the other utter opposite of life. Mortal, can these bones live? Ezekiel the prophet to a people in exile. The prophet priest turns toward the voice of the Lord that led him into death's valley. The prophet turns back to the spirit of the Lord, shakes his head, shrugs his shoulders, heaves a heavy sigh and says, Oh Lord, God, you know. Here in the Bible, in another place, at another time, another vision is offered. This time it's John of the Apocalypse in the book of Revelation. John is shown a great multitude which no one can number. The canvas of the vision isn't a killing field, it is the throne of heaven. And John is shown a crowd coming from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. People from everywhere are standing before the throne of God dressed in white robes. They are carrying palm branches and singing a divine setting of Alleluia Chorus, a scene of biblical proportion painted to portray God's promise of everlasting life. One of the elders, one standing before the throne of grace, one of the elders says to John, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? And John turns toward the elder who offered the exam question. John looks back at the crowd, shakes his head, shrugs his shoulder, heaves a heavy sigh and says, sir, you are the one who knows. Or in other words, I have no idea. From the valley of the dry bones to the heavenly throne room of God. Can these bones live? Lord God, you're the only one who knows. Who is this multitude? God, you're the only one who knows. It would seem the presence of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Lord inspires one to come to grips with the notion that some questions, some answers are best left to God. Can these bones live? Who is that standing there as the roll is called up yonder? Lord God, you know. Visions of biblical proportion, prophetic piety of biblical proportion that comes with a decided unwillingness to claim all the answers. Ezekiel, John the Revelator, and the Holy Spirit, a not-so-subtle, too-often-missed message of biblical proportion that trumpets a life of faith infused with humility and grace. I just don't know, God. It occurs to me that John... John was privileged to hear the choirs of heaven singing. All Ezekiel got to hear was that rattling. I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, rattling. This was no ordinary rattle. In fact, one would be hard-pressed to find the word rattling elsewhere in scripture. This was more like a rumbling, an earth shaking, like the loud rumbling Ezekiel himself heard when he was called and sent by God to be the prophet to the people of Israel 
Ezekiel's call, what tradition summarizes as when Ezekiel saw the wheel, a biblical multimedia experience for all of his senses as the vision came to its end. Ezekiel reports that the spirit lifted me high up as the glory of the Lord rose from its place and I heard from behind me the sound of loud rumbling, a quaking, a rattling, like the shake felt by the prophet Elijah up at Mount Horeb when the Lord was about to pass by. There was a wind and a fire and an earthquake, a rattling, but the Lord, you remember, came in a still small voice. Like the rattling that must have been heard by angels when the stone was rolled away that Easter morning when Matthew describes a great earthquake. This rattling was more than bone here, bone there. More than the knee bone connected to the thigh bone. More than the skeleton learning to dance. That rattling John got to hear angels sing. Ezekiel got to hear the rattling of resurrection life. The rattling of life comes upon a whole people, the dance of collective resurrection. Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost, but we are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. My first congregation was here in New Jersey, down in Camden County. It was a vast county-owned property not far from the church and the manse where we lived. It was called Lakeland. At one point in history, Lakeland was a vast campus that housed all kinds of county services. And over the decades, Lakeland had become a shell of itself. Among a campus of falling down empty buildings, the only operations left were a long-term healthcare facility for veterans and a mental health hospital. This vast piece of property also included a rather large cemetery with no gravestones, no markers to be seen. It was a pauper's field, a cemetery full of nameless people who died alone with little to nothing and no one. I officiated a few funerals there a few burials where it was me, a couple workers from the funeral home, and the person who opened the grave. And the casket sat there surrounded by mounds of dirt that were atop recently filled graves. I offered the liturgy, the scripture, the prayers. The four of us said the Lord's Prayer together. It's the ritual of the power of resurrection life in a pauper's field or in Princeton's cemetery, speaking, prophesying, preaching the sure and certain hope of resurrection life. The prophet Ezekiel stands in a pauper's field, a valley full of dry bones amid a common grave. And God said, these are my people. The prophet standing amid heap after heap of dry bones and the spirit says preach. Like a wind, like breath, like spirit, 
preaching life to the dry bones of the people of God, listening to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit works to breathe life, hope, and faith in and among and through the people of God, listening in a community of faith for the rattling that comes with resurrection life. The rattling of resurrection life embodied in the lives of those called together by God, a collective resurrection that these dry bones might in the very power of God be the body of Christ to serve one another and to serve the world. The Spirit's breath and our life together, not as anonymous Christians lost in a crowd, but as living, breathing community that worships together, a community that seeks to be faithful together, a community that commits to a depth of learning and living the gospel together a community with more than enough broken bones and missteps along the way where both hurt and forgiveness are real, yet a community that fully believes and waits for the breath of the Holy Spirit to blow afresh. A community that yearns to care for all who are in need together. A community that dares stand with those who are shunned by the world together. A community that strives to welcome strangers and entertain angels unaware together. A community that can look back with honesty and lament where necessary and can look ahead with hope and confidence in God's leading together. A weather-worn community that experiences a passion for its life in God together. A community that fully expects that passion to be renewed week after week. A community that longs to hear maybe only every now and then to hear this rattling of resurrection life in its midst. The preacher Barbara Bound Taylor once wrote that truly great preachers in this world are people whose names will never be known because their sermons both arise from and are entirely absorbed by local communities of listeners who labor with them to embody God's word. The success of a sermon is not measured by how many people say they like it, nor by the preacher's own sense of accomplishment but by the spoken word cleared by, by but by how the spoken word cleared a space for people to be met and set in motion by the spirit of the living god that's barbara brown taylor writing about the rattling there is this rattling in the body of christ spirit breath life our life together and the resurrection promise of god The pandemic has taken its toll on houses of worship and faith leaders. At the same time, culture and politics have ripped some congregations apart and destroyed some faith leaders as well. You may have read about what some are now calling the great pastor resignation. The topic went viral this week on Presbyterian Twitter. Actually, Presbyterians aren't that hip, so it was probably better described as Presbyterian Facebook. <laughs> a pastor blogging about leaving their congregation and offering a pretty expensive list of grievances about the old, tired, dry bones of the church and of ministry. The chatter, the buzz, the talk, the response to that post, oh, it's a lot. On all sides, all opinions, all kinds of thoughts about these old, tired bones. I couldn't help myself. I read more responses and chatter about that post than I should have, and I don't even have Facebook. 
And amid this social media firestorm, I found myself being incredibly grateful because I realized God has gifted me. God has blessed me. God has enriched my life, my faith, my ministry endlessly because you see, I've heard it. I've heard the rattling. Some Sunday mornings when you stand up here and you look out, you can see and feel the weight of the world and the complexity of life and the strain of the journey. The collective wear and tear of life on your faces, you can see it. And I bet over the years you've seen it and felt it among those of us called to serve you. But time and time and time again, there is this rattling. The promise of resurrection life rumbling. The shaking that comes when the darkness is so thick and together we discover that the light still shines. Maybe I can't describe it. Maybe I can't make a list. Maybe I can't point here or there, here or there, but for heaven's sake, for God's sake, I've heard it. I've felt it. I have seen it. I long for it. I crave for it because Christ is risen. And the promise of resurrection life and these tired old bones and still a foretaste of what God can and will do among us, the body of Christ here and now at Nassau Church. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. God's promise. Let it rumble among us. And let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks be to God.